Hello and welcome to the For Your Reconsideration podcast, the film podcast that, after a night on the fireballs, tells contemporary film criticism, I'll meet you in the car park. I'm Rob and it's Simon and James. How are you, boys? Good, mate. I will not be joining you in the car park. I'm too much of a coward. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I've agreed to no fisticuffs. Am I alone in this? Mick LaSalle's going to kick the crap out of you. <laughs> he's not contemporary. He's on our side. <laughs> he's, our, he's our, like, super sub. <laughs> um, how are you, gents? Are you well? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. You? Extremely well. Happy to be indoors this week. Thank you very much. Yes, lovely. Um, what have you guys been watching this week? Given that tonight's film is approximately three days long, <laughs> there hasn't been much time for watching anything else. That said, I did watch a movie that was tangentially inspired by tonight's film. So tonight's film is directed by Gore Verbinski. Gore Verbinski directed the American remake of The Ring. I had never seen the original and I've had it on disc for about eight years, so I gave it a spin. It's a really well-executed horror mystery that possesses not only a killer setup but one of modern horror's great villains. Nice. Uh, yeah, so that was good. It's That disc has survived about three house moves with me, so very much like the eponymous tape in the movie itself, it just keeps turning up. <laughs> I think I watched that, like, on it was on Late Night on Channel 4. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I, me and my brother watched it really late, and it scared the living bejesus it's out of me. It's super creepy. It's really yeah. good, isn't it? It's very, very good. Was that at Nana's house? <laughs> oh, oh, God. Uh, no, it wasn't, actually. Is she <laughs> not into J-horror? No, this was uh, post that time when me and my brother watched really unsuitable movies at Nana's. Um, uh, I, I'm not sure if I've mentioned where she used to have those video cassettes where it was a book, like a leather book. Oh, yes. You popped it oh, open with so video. Cool. She had those. Yeah. This was after those years. This was when me and my brother used to just stay up until like three in the morning playing video games and watching things we shouldn't be watching. (laughs) 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 And The Ring was one of those films. I think, you know, when Amazon first started and you were allowed to order things, you know, and they come to your house. Yeah. What a privilege that was. I think one of the first things I ordered was those leather... Book VHS <laughs> cassette holders. <laughs> yeah. They're the most nana thing to have. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just ridiculous. My granddad had those. Yeah, no question. <laughs> with his own system on the side. You know, like he'd, you know, sometimes when you bought a VHS, it came with like little, like a little sticker sheet of letters and numbers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He would put stuff on the side like 4F. You know, whatever that meant. <laughs> I've got no idea. Like, so nice. So lovely. Oh, memories. So how did it, how did it, you know, how did it ring with you, the ring? Yeah, it was really good. I mean, obviously like an idiot, I've seen the remake beforehand because that was in the cinema at the time, you know, when I was like, uh, I think that came out in like 2001. So I'd seen that beforehand, but no, it was really good. It was really, really creepy. Chilling, holds on. Really? Can't believe that people used to think that watching VHSs at home was as good as going to the cinema, but there you go. (laughs) The tellies, that's the real horror. The tellies are absolutely tiny in boxes and... That's the real horror. Them days, mate, them days. Oh, yeah. Outstanding. That's where the real love of JCVD was was garnered, was earned. Yeah, yeah. On a boxy telly. (laughs) Where everything was heavily cropped and looked like shit. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 4-3 ratio central. Um, Lovely. Awesome. Sai, what did you watch this week? The last couple of weeks, I've been re-watching American Horror Story from the beginning. Oh, oh yeah. cool. I'm about halfway through season two at the minute. It's just really good. 
you know, it's it's quite scary and it's got some really good mm. nods and references to all sorts of old horror movies. But movie-wise, I watched uh, Bad Education. It, it's the true story of a high profile public school embezzlement scandal uh, in Long Island. Oh yeah. Starring Hugh Jackman and Alison Janney. I think it was a TV a TV movie. I don't think it was a cinema release. I think it was like a just straight to Is it HBO? Yeah, uh, I think it's HBO Max. Right. But it was at Toronto last year apparently and they bought it out of there for their service. Right. Cool. I mean it's very high end for a TV movie but it's yeah, uh, yeah it's brilliant. It's really good. Big cast for a TV movie flipping heck. Yeah, the two leads, Hugh Jackman and Alison Janney are both as you'd expect really really good in it. Mm. And just cast perfectly for Hugh Jackman as like a charismatic superintendent who's got a lot of skeletons in his closet. Um yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. Cool. Yeah, cool. I watched it the other week as well. It was really good. Where did you guys see it? It's on Now TV, I think. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, um, it reminded me, it'd make a good double bill with uh, the Alexander Payne film Election, mm-hmm. which is about a high school election that gets well out of hand. Cool. Um, yeah, it's really good. Nice, nice. Nice. What about you, Rob? What have you been watching this week? Um, oh, it's been a busy week um, because, you know, it's like literally a week to the minute that we were sat and chatting and I was in a minivan. <laughs> Hanging out with a cow? Uh, having a chat with a cow, yeah, exactly. But no, I managed to squeeze in a viewing of the 1983 James Bond film, the 13th James Bond film, Octopussy, starring one Roger Moore. <laughs> oh, look. Um, now, come, come, Mr. Bond. Just don't say anything. Don't Don't say anything. Just, it was really good. It's too precious to talk about. Let's move on. <laughs> too precious to Can't talk. Can't handle any more about it. Can't handle anything else. Did he? Did he do his little uh, his little gun move? <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did. He did. Um, as it happens, many times. Yeah, <laughs> many times. Loves it. Uh, there's a right. No, if we're going to talk openly about a very funny moment in the film, uh, someone said to me, you know, um, oh, it perfectly balances the serious versus the silly. And you will not get a more sort of bigger dichotomy in film than a man in a full clown suit rippling a guy in the nuts with a massive kick <laughs> before defusing a nuclear bomb. That's the, <laughs> the, I mean, that is the perfect marriage of silly and, and serious. Uh, but no. Um, boys, would you permit me to say where I was talking about, about this upon? Yeah, go for it. Thank you. Um, I was talking about this on the Really 007 podcast. Oh, very nice. So um, do go check that out. Um, Anyways, so tonight's movie generated uh, some chit-chat in more ways than one. But James, you you came up with a little bit of a quandary for us to to ponder over. Yeah, so uh, tonight's film is based on a television show. So gentlemen, what are the best films inspired by or spun off from TV shows? The Lone Ranger. <laughs> this is the hardest question I think we've ever done. I mean, this no, this is a hundred percent the hardest one uh, question we've ever done here. Should we take it as read that Mission Impossible is the correct answer? Yeah, well, you can't go further than that, really. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, nothing will go further. Yeah, I used to I, love I, watching that series. Oh yeah, is it because it's sixties and seventies the the TV series in them. Um... There's no real connection to the film apart no. from Jim oh, no. Phelps and the IMF. But uh, <laughs> Ethan Hunt is not in the series, is he? He's been made up for the films. But yeah, Mission Impossible is great, isn't it? Yeah, it's great. Really, really good. Really good. Um, you know, I quite liked um, 
There was obviously a Thunderbirds TV show. Yes. There was a movie that had Busted as the, you know, the doing the theme song. Ah, uh, no, I couldn't bring myself to watch that, Rob. I've never seen the live-action Thunderbirds. Bill Paxton's in it, isn't he? Yeah, this is how low the bar is. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I, I, no, I found this the hardest question you've ever asked, James. Actually. Right. Is that is that because there are no good films spun off from TV programs? <laughs> it's not, but I, to my well, mind, there's not that many. Just off the top of my head, there really isn't that many. And I was scrambling about a lot. Did you reach an answer? Did you get somewhere? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> none that I, no, seriously, none that I'm convinced by, no. Oh, uh, right, okay. What about you, Si? I think my the, the biggest one what stands out aside from Mission Impossible, and, and that sort of era as well, was The Man from Uncle. Oh, okay. I thought Guy Ritchie's adaptation of that old TV series was very, very good. And then Wayne's World as well was yes. born out of a SNL skit. Oh. It's a great show. Wayne's World's one of those films where I sort of like revisit me and my other half revisit quite a lot yeah watched it not long ago the first one is brilliant and it's one of the best very good isn't it farcical comedies like it's just ridiculous but it's so so funny a bit disappointed by the second one actually on a rewatch really not as good as i thought the second one is like a shameless cash-in where the budget is like half or it was a bigger budget, but it all went on Christopher Walken. <laughs> so like, oh, I've nothing left for the shoot. But yeah, the first Wayne's World's brilliant. And then also potential fodder for the for the podcast, Power Rangers. I think I thought that was mm. the movie. Yeah. Both the nineties movie, which was from directly from the yeah, <laughs> TV yeah, yeah. show. <laughs> and the than the recent one, uh, with Naomi Scott in. I thought that was really bloody good. I will go with that. I've still got 15 minutes left to watch of that, so I've not. That's why I can't do a cohesive <laughs> yay or nay on it. I, I would definitely have said Wayne's World if I hadn't, if I knew it was a TV show beforehand. <laughs> I just didn't. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. That's my own fault. Um, Ninja Turtles, can I say that? But, yeah, but Ninja Because Turtles. it was a comic book prior to that. Yeah, it's, a, it's difficult with those ones, isn't it? Like, you don't know what, what come. It's a bit of a chicken and egg situation. Because you could say Batman, couldn't you? But. You know that the comic book came before all that, so you can't True, really yeah, say yeah. it. Based on a comic rather than a TV show. That's it. That's what I mean. Yeah, there's loads of TV shows I'd love to see, like Land of the Giants, the uh, the TV show. Oh my god, that was so good with all the big like foam hands, <laughs> yeah, like coming yeah. in to pick up a phone and stuff. I love that program. Oh, how good oh would that god, have that been? Amazing. But no, we're not there yet. So um, no, I'm still confounded. What about you, James? Yeah, I posed this question and then had a bit of trouble answering it myself because I think <laughs> what's good. I think what's sort of happened is now that TV has so got so good over the last twenty years that there's never been any real need to spin any of these great series off into movies. Like you know, things like Mission Impossible or Man from Uncle. They didn't have the budgets back in the seventies mm. when those were on TV to do so. Movies were such a larger canvas to realise what they wanted to do with those ideas. Mm. Uh, so it happens less and less now. But um, one that came to mind was I really enjoyed uh, El Camino, which oh, is yeah. an unnecessary Good but shout, brilliant yeah. realised 
epilogue to Breaking Bad oh, and really ties up the Jesse Pinkman story really, really well. Nice. And then, uh, similar to Simon, I've uh, I've got a comedy pick and I've gone with Borat, which is one of the greatest comedies <laughs> oh, ever Very made. Oh, Yeah, of course. And people yeah. forget that Borat started as a segment on the Ali G yeah. show back in the day. So, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. What a good shout that is. Really good one. Another one as well, really? I've just thought of 21 Jump Street. Yes. Sequel, oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. They were yeah, both yeah. on TV show. See, I was going to put them in, but I've never actually seen Twenty One Jump Street, the the TV show. No, they're genuinely good movies. Them too. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, yeah, they are funny. funny. Very and fun. Ice Cube is. I, I, he's never been better in those films. No, particularly that's... in the second one, he's very, very funny in the second one. Yeah, it's, if you're allowed to refer to the Twenty One Jump Street to include someone's magnum opus, then yes, it's Ice Cube. <laughs> Just definitely. The, my favourite joke's the most basic joke where they go into the new office in 22 Jump Street and uh, Ice Cube's his office is just it's just a, a, a big Perspex box. <laughs> and then Joan Ale's like, wow, it just looks like a large cube of ice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, such a good joke. I was very I'm meta. Pissing myself in the cinema and no one was laughing. I was like, what? That is a great joke. <laughs> Wasted. <laughs> lovely stuff, lovely stuff. I'm gonna James, you've you've set wheels in motion with me here that there must be a movie of a TV show that I really like, but I just yeah, I just can't find it at all. So um, I'm going to park it and bring it back. Yeah, bring it back. I will. It's your homework. For next <laughs> It'll be more work than I've ever done before for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fellas, it is your pick this week, Si. It so is. what have you got for us? Yes. So this movie, um, I'm quite worried, actually. Uh, <laughs> I just jumped straight with the logline. After a group of Texas Rangers are mercilessly gunned down by a scary band of ragtag outlaws, a wandering Native American and a marvellous horse nurse one of their number back to health to aid him on a quest for justice. This is Govabinsky's 2013 flop of the decade, The Lone Ranger. Marvellous horse! <laughs> what a description. Best thing, isn't it? <laughs> so funny. God, look at you, city boy. Why would you ever want to come back here? It's my home. Little brother, I hereby deputize you a Texas Ranger. This dance. To the outlaw, make no mistake, law and order has come to the West. It's a nice hat, by the way. Didn't have a bigger one? <laughs> Give me your hand! No! From the great beyond, a vision told me a great warrior would help me on my quest. One who has been to the other side and returned. All I know is that a man killed my brother. If we ride together, we ride for justice. Justice is what I seek. I'm looking for a man. It was in about a week ago. Take me over this. You find traitor. You find the man who killed your brother. I want to show you something. What could you buy with all that? A country, Captain. Who controls the railroad? The cavalry. Everything. Even these men represent the law. I'd rather be an outlaw. That is why you wear the mask. Ranger. Riding a white horse. 
got some lunatic Indian with him. They're coming for you. Scared, aren't you? You should be. Sai, The Lone Ranger. Why did you pick this movie? Right, so I, I, I mean, this wasn't a cinema watch. Um, and one of those where I was just intrigued because I specifically remember the absolute kick in it got when it first came out. And like, you know, The Lone Ranger as a sort of property is quite, you know, it, it, it's very American. I don't, It's not very popular in Britain, I don't think. We, no. I think we know who he is, but it's not really yeah. our bag, as it were. So I had no idea of the mythology of him or anything. I just thought he was just this random dude who wore a mask and shot bad guys. So when I like first went in to watch this film, I quite really remember being quite taken aback by the origin story of it all and how it was way deeper than I thought it was. Um, I don't know if that's what it was originally or whether they'd spun this, you know, for, you know, spun a new yarn out of it to bring it up to date. But I, it's just a film when I first watched it. I think I watched it on Netflix or something. Um, I just didn't expect it. Mm. It wasn't the film I was expecting at all. Again, considering how you know the horrendous reception it got on release. And yeah, I, I was. I was just. I just remember being like, "That was actually pretty good. That that was good." And was one of the first films I thought of actually when we came up with this podcast. So it's taken. Oh, cool. It's taken a while for I, me actually, to sort yeah. of bring it to the table. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's finally here. I remember you mentioning it, Sai. Yeah. Yeah. It's finally here because I I managed to um, free up three days of my schedule to watch the film. <laughs> <laughs> well, could we do something slightly different here? Could we go critical reception first when we're talking about the movie? Yeah. Because you mentioned the kicking it got, oh. and even I remember. Just how much it was held down and pummeled. And let's be, let's be fair as well. The critics had a right good run up at this. They were waiting for it. Yeah, like, they really were. Yeah, they were the school bully waiting for it outside the room mm. <laughs> behind the bike sheds at three o'clock. <laughs> and and we're the posthumous avenging angels to see whether it needs another <laughs> chance. That's what we are. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So yeah, critically, yeah, really, really bad. Absolute bomb city if you go on the rotten tomatoes page it's just ro- just a stream of rotten tomatoes just scrolling down the page <laughs> it got it's got 30 percent on there uh 51 audience so you know not not even the audience are like massively on board with it metacritic's pretty similar 37 on that audience at 6.4 straight down the middle on letterbox at 2.5 which is quite unsurprising really but uh oh as it's a western, we've got to bring in the sheriff. Uh, <laughs> oh my days! LaSalle hated this movie. <laughs> he, gave, <laughs> he gave it. He gave it zero out of four. Wowzers! And said, uh, "A movie for the whole family to avoid." <laughs> Two and a half hours of the longest hours on record. A jumbled botch that is so confused in its purpose and so charmless in its effect that it must be seen to be believed. 
But better yet, no, don't see it, don't believe it. <laughs> so oh, Mick did sheesh. not. Oof, he was not on board. That's the angriest Mick's ever been, that, isn't it? Yeah, he, I think it he is. did not like it. Uh, but on the, Oof. you know, you have to dig around to find the positive reviews. Um, Angie Erigo at Empire gave it four stars nice. when it was first released. Nice. And, you know, usually someone who's not in for these sort of big blockbusters. Robbie Collin um, reviewed it quite favorably as well, saying a strange and fascinating and often thrilling movie artifact. Three out of five. So, you know, a bit a bit average score, but still a positive, you know, he had positive things to say about it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, on the whole, the critics just hated it. But it was an interesting point from the actual filmmakers and actors on board with the film really took offence to the critics of the time. Oh, really? And thought it was a real hatchet job. Oh, wow. Have we got a critical clapback? Yeah, so... We never have this. No, so um, Bruckheimer felt the film was overlooked and said that critics were reviewing the budget and not the movie. Um, So similar to... John Carter, I think the year. Yeah, before. yeah. yeah. Um, it's a big the Disney year film, before. Isn't it? So it's, you know, it's the, you know like the amount of money. Sheesh! Didn't learn their lesson. No wonder they had to invent a streaming service like a few years later. <laughs> but uh, Army Hammer, who plays the the title character, um, he was he was quite vocal about it. He said. If you go back and read the negative reviews, most of them aren't about the content of the movie, but more what's behind it. It's got to the point with American critics where if you're not as smart as Plato, you're stupid. While we were making it, we knew people were gunning for it as they reviewed it eight months before it came out. Wow. I think it was the popular thing when the movie hit Rocky Terrain. They jumped on the bandwagon to try and bash it. They tried to do the same thing with World War Z, but that didn't work as that movie was successful. Instead, for this, they just decided to slit the jugular of our movie. Oh, wow. Not a happy bunny. They were not happy with what the critics had to say about this film um, at all. So, Gosh. Yeah. Did um, did Govabinsky himself say anything or Johnny Depp? Um, I don't have any on, on those two because I didn't want to uh, go on forever like I already have done. So I will <laughs> leave it. No, no. no but it's, yeah. but it's, in, it's it's really interesting backstory to this. And gives us a whole different lens to look at this through. It, it's one where it, it was definitely felt within the filmmakers that it was a hatchet job. Um, and there were other things at play of why it got the as, as bad a reception as it did. You know, it's getting naught stars and one stars across the board, really. Especially in America. So That's very strange. Yeah, they obviously took offence to that. Uh, very interesting. I'm going to ask some more questions about this later. Um, but James, then in which case, I mean, we already know it qualifies gigantically in critical terms. Budget and box office, please um, deliver it to me gently. Yeah, it ain't much better over here, I'll be honest with you. Um, <laughs> Sheesh. So, so there's, a, there's a bit of context to go into here. So uh, The Lone Ranger was set to go before the cameras in the fall of 2011, but Disney stopped the project from moving forward when the budget escalated to an estimated 260 to $275 million. So all this information is from the Bomb Report, which is a really good uh, website for anyone who's interested in Hollywood flops. The project was then scaled uh, back slightly to the rather modest $215 million. It's quite expensive for a Western, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Costs began to rise again when the production went over schedule from weather-related damage to the sets, can't can't be helped, uh, injured stuntmen, and unfortunately a fatality from a crew member due to drowning during the the, uh, making of the film. As a result, the budget grew to at least $250 million. 
On top of that, the Lone Ranger grossed 89 million in the United States and 171 million in other countries for a worldwide total of 260 million, which is just around what they will have spent on the production. However, the production costs plus a global marketing blitz reported to be $150 million ended with the Lone Ranger becoming the second largest financial disaster on record with Disney's chief financial officer, Jay Rasulo, announcing a $190 million write-down on the picture. Good grief, man. (laughs) Do you know which film uh, holds the number one spot for the uh, biggest flop ever? I mean, um, Cutthroat Island, Waterworld... No, it's of this parish, though. John Carter? Yes. <laughs> so, oh. oh, I Disney's thought this overtook John Carter. Wow. No, Disney's, uh, John Carter is the reigning champion of financial loss, with Disney taking a 200 million write-down on that box office disaster. Dear this came me. out one year, This came out two years consecutively. Yeah. Bloody oh, Nora. So, so they lost nearly, nearly half a billion dollars. It's a good thing they got the parks and the superheroes, isn't it? <laughs> How did they buy the superheroes while this was going on? Incredible. They have Unreal. Just an insane God. amount of cash. Only Disney can get away with that, really, isn't it? Yeah. Just so much, so. Oh. Dear me. So many mad questions I want to ask about all of this. Um, but we've mentioned it's, um, yeah, it's Gore Verbinski, who I would imagine at this stage was seen as Disney's shorthand, perhaps? Well, it's Bruckheimer as well. So, again, we're becoming a bit of a Bruckheimer apologist uh, podcast. <laughs> he produces most of the movies we talk about. So, it's <laughs> Bruckheimer producing, Gore Verbinski directing, Johnny Depp starring. It's got the same screenwriters as the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. You know, they're getting the band back together. They're going to capture lightning bottled twice. So, mm, but, yeah. yeah um, it's not gone as well on this particular occasion by the looks of things. Good grief. Shall we discuss the movie? Yes. I feel it's a good time. Have you got six days? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this, uh, Truthfully, this took four separate watching sessions to get through it. Yeah, it's a big one, isn't it? In all it? truth. It's a big one. Uh, the first one was, was, was an Ill, ill-advised one with my children because I thought this would be okay for them. Brackets, it is not okay for children in this film. Let's get that really clear. I didn't realise how violent it was. This is dark, man. I mean, I think from the first, like, first throws of it, it's quite weird, isn't it? Because you go in, like, visually, it's all like, it's it's more like a adult western yeah. yeah like it's all very gray yeah and very like and everyone's got dirty stubbles and everyone's sweaty <laughs> very it's very odd for a family film uh, yeah it? <laughs> how it looks how my, it looks. my, my nine-year-old's review of the film after 40 minutes was this is horrible <laughs> that's literally all she could say about it. this is horrible um well Target audience. we'll get there though. we'll yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, Family, family viewing, what? We open with an incredible, immense, partially built Golden Gate Bridge. Yes. In, you know, um, and in terms of, uh, what was it who's, uh, that person said on our, co- our film course? Mise en beans? Mise en scène. Oh, yes. This is magnificent mise en beans. Yeah, so it's like, <laughs> we're in the 30s, aren't we, at this point? And it goes, yeah. we're in like a fair... It's sort of setting up how this film's going to be told in that they've gone like the Princess Bride route, haven't they? Um, yeah. It's not going to be a straight. It's not going to be a straight shooter. See what I did there, um, really? and just like, <laughs> and just put, and just, and just have a. This is a low reg. It, it's all being told from the perspective of an older 
Tonto yeah. to this child. And it's very Princess Bride, isn't it? I wouldn't know. I've never seen The Princess Bride, which is a massive... And neither have I. It's a massive film-related shame that I have. But I'll tell you why I haven't seen The Princess Bride. You know, let's just go off on a tangent because this movie isn't long enough already. I haven't seen it, <laughs> right? Because everyone keeps telling me how great it is and then it's all people quoting the dialogue from it at don't, me and don't watch it and i can't i can't i can't bring myself it feels that's why i don't like rick and morty because everybody just keeps telling me how brilliant it is and quoting dialogue at me that i don't understand right so no i'm not doing it and i love rob reiner princess bride it's like <laughs> if you haven't got the nostalgia factor don't watch it because i watched it about five years ago and i was just like don't get it. I don't know why everyone loves it. Oh, right. Okay. I think it's one of those where you have to watch it as a kid. Right. I see. Okay. Grow up and love and look back on it with such fondness. Because um, you get films now coming out like Breakfast Club and everyone hates it. And you're mm. like, oh, but I love that movie. Yeah, um, yeah. But I'm sure if I watched it for the first time now, I'd be like, well, this is a bit outdated and weird. But anyway, the, 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 the way it is in The Princess Bride is Columbo is basically telling a bedtime story to the kid out of the Wonder Years. I mean, you're actually selling it to me here. So. <laughs> yeah, this sounds way better than I expected. <laughs> so that's what the film is, is The Princess Bride is the story, this fairy tale book, and it keeps yeah. coming back to his bedtime story, and he's like, well, what about that? And it's it's exactly how it's done in this film. With oh, right, kid. okay. So and, as a framing device. telling him the story. Yeah, it's exactly it's like that exact sort of way of telling the story is through that. Old man and a child, yeah. Thing, but why? Why was why is Tonto in a glass? He's not in a glass box, is he? But why is he an exhibit? I don't. <laughs> this I found this very problematic from the exact first moment. Like because it's kooky and it's weird, and he's got a bird on his head. And he's... We know why, but I don't. I, I didn't know why. <laughs> why? Because we've seen a dead bison. We've seen some yeah. other animal. And yeah. then now the, it, there's a plaque that says the noble savage, you know, yeah, yeah. less said about that, the better. And then we've got, yeah, it, it pans up and he's he, it plays off that he's also a, well, like a, a mannequin. And then he starts talking. It does, yeah. I've got no idea if he's imaginary or not. Yeah, I don't. I, I, and I still don't, having watched the whole movie. I've got no idea. <laughs> Uh, really but anyway, no he idea. starts having a little chinwag with this with this kid who's fascinated by the exhibit and also wearing a Lone Ranger mask. The kid pulls a gun on him straight away. It's a cap gun. Don't worry about it. But it's uh, it must have given fires them... it. He shoots on it, sight. Yeah. The kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, you know, so we've already alluded to this, haven't we? As we've been talking, that the film is very long, and if a film is two and a yeah. half hours long, it's got to be justifiable and. For me, I, when I'm watching it, I'm like, right, well, this can go, and this can go. I don't understand why this framing device is here, to be honest. No. It's not necessary. Because all really it does not. is, no. at various points, it'll check back in with uh, an older Tonto, and it's Johnny Depp in in aged uh, in aging makeup, isn't it? Mm. And just explain to you what's just happened in the scene. So is it is it just for people who aren't paying attention in the, in the cinema, essentially? I don't know why it's there. It adds about 10 minutes of screen time that you could have yeah. chopped off the runtime. Yeah, it really does. I didn't need it explaining to me and us checking back in every time. And I don't think the movie needed it either. No, but we're, we're all sort of like guided and programmed in, in receiving stories a certain way. Yeah. And to receive it in this way, I found especially jarring. You know, I'm all for narrative invention. That's great. 
That's perfect. But, you know, when you're watching something and you're in the story and you're watching something happening and then Johnny Depp turns to camera and says, Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, we'll have a look at this or whatever. You know, that pulls me right out of it. And I feel it's really cheap because I feel it's not, you're not showing me the story. You're just layering it on me dead thick. And I don't need that. I don't want that. I want to be... I want to be in that world. Mm. Don't take me out of it. I want to be in there, especially a world like this. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, once we get back to Texas in, what is it, 1869 or something like that, and we Mm. we go back and we're we're in there in earnest, you know, it's like, all right, we're we're rolling now, we're motoring on. And it it is quite weird how it keeps jumping back to this framing device. And it it was similar on um, Tomorrowland, wasn't it? Another Disney film, which took a similar approach. Yeah. Um it's Princess Bride Disney as well. I've no idea. Talking about it, it's like that. Oh, I don't know actually, mate. <laughs> I only just found out Columbo was in it, so <laughs> But uh, <laughs> But yeah, it, ah. it's quite odd how they feel the need to have that fairy tale to kids approach. You know, really literal. Mm. Yeah. It annoys me because it assumes that the audience is stupid and isn't paying attention. Yeah. Or they go, This is really complicated. Right, well then you need to go back in and fix it and streamline it if it's too convoluted. Do you think it's one of those things that came after it was all shot and they wedged it in afterwards? Or Probably reshoots, possibly. Yeah. yeah. Do you think um, so? I I've got no doubt because it, it, it smacks of... Because it's obviously it's a high-budget thing they've done with Johnny Depp in those moments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To make him look like um oldie, yeah. rubbery tonto. <laughs> he looks like a ball bag to be fair. <laughs> Honestly. With his saggy little uh, belly. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, here's a story told by a great big sack. And yeah. um, that's about it, you know, a sack with a dead bird on his head. <laughs> <laughs> no, it felt it felt like I was taken advantage of a little bit. And I think that device is probably what, because it happened so early on in the film, is probably what put audiences off immediately, or critics especially, sorry, yeah. critics mm. off instantly. Yeah. Like, well, why am I being spoken to like a child, a kid? Yeah. Because you've got yeah. to remember as well with critics is that they are, whether they could make a film or not is debatable. They probably they can't. You know that's why that's why they're they're critics, but at the same time they are cine literate yeah, and they yeah. do understand the beats of how a story is supposed to move. And it, it'd be different if I I don't know I just don't know why it's there. I don't understand why it's there. No. That said, every time that I'm looking at Johnny Depp on the screen, though he's extremely watchable. Yeah, I like him in this movie. I think he's really good. He's I was really surprised movie, by yeah. how much I enjoyed really? his performance in this. I think he's really yeah. funny. Yeah. But I just want he's... him to stay in the adventure that we're on. Also, with that framing device, if you know that Tonto is telling the story in the future, a pretty good chance that Tonto's not going to be any real peril. If he gets into a perilous situation, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. he's probably not going to die. <laughs> right? So it sort of takes that, that tension out of it. Because uh, I thought he was a mannequin come to life originally. Yeah. I thought that maybe... Yeah, he might. I didn't think he was ever going to die because I knew they were setting up a series with this. Yeah. But I, I, like, I didn't know, is this the ghost of Tonto talking to this kid? Is this a puppet come to life? Is Tonto now a sort of a world-weary, super commercial guy who now yeah. tries to live off his stories, <laughs> travelling around circuses and yeah. freak show tents? I don't know. I, I didn't know what was real or what was not in this world of the framing device. I have no idea. Still no idea. I think the implication is that he's him and the bird are one and the same because the bird flies off at the very end of the movie, doesn't it? Spoilers. But I think he's all of those things, Rob, to be honest with you, which shows how muddled so? that framing device is, to be honest. But do you not think, like, what a much better movie we'd have if it, if that wasn't there? Yeah. I don't know why it's there. I don't know Like, why fair enough, there. you might have some brilliant rubber cast of Johnny Depp. 
Yeah. And it might look amazing. And his performance um, is good and yeah, just yeah. but you don't need to do it. And no. that's like I feel like this is all always the same now and and it struck me that this is right two and a half hours long. Hasn't every major Disney blockbuster been two an hour two and a half hours long for like however long now, years and years now. Yeah. And it's like, you don't need to do it. You don't need to no. tell your story more concise. For me, two and a half hours is too long for a blockbuster. The sweet spot we know for a movie is anywhere between 90 and 100. But if it's a mega blockbuster, top two it hours. out at 120. Yeah. Yeah. Top it out. 118, I think, you know, um, what is it? Uh, Independence Day is probably around 119. Oh, the sweet spot. Give me yeah. that all day long. Yeah, unless it's a big event movie, which this isn't. Yeah. You've kind of got carte blanche to do whatever you want with runtime, haven't you, if you're a yeah. um, you know, a big event movie. Yeah. But when it's something where you're trying to kick off a franchise from something what's let's be honest, like a quite quite a dead property, isn't it? Really. Do you it's think... a really ancient property. As John mm, Carl yeah. as well. Yeah. It's the yeah. same with... Tr- I mean, we've done them all on this pod, haven't we? We've done Tron, Tron we've yeah. done John Carter. Have they just completely overestimated three years on the trot <laughs> the relevance of these IPs that they happen to own and what the actual appetite is for these when they hit the marketplace? Basically, Disney wish that all the people in the world watching movies were me because I love all these (laughs) (laughs) side banging down the door to you know give me a subscription service I need it I need to make a podcast to say how much I love Disney films (laughs) (laughs) gorgeous voice gorgeous voice I'll take your live action follies give them to me (laughs) give me the Verbinski cut please imagine how long that is (laughs) Oh dear. But no, like, right, I'll ask this question, like, plain as day, when was the last two and a half hour film you watched worth that length? Um, the Irishman, probably. I, I was going to say The Irishman as well. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. I've not seen it, so I don't know. That's even longer. It's three and a half hours long. <laughs> Jeez. But yeah. before that, and bear in mind, that's Scorsese. That's one of the, like, the absolute grandfathers of cinema. Yeah. And it's covering decades of a man's life as well. <laughs> so, before that, I don't. I don't be like a lame, nerdy white boy and say the Avengers. I quite like those. Yeah, the big long. Oh, Avengers mate, that's movies. fine. If that's if that's how you felt about, it, that's great. But I, I, I always felt I felt they were far too long, and I felt I felt Titanic was far too long. Yeah, you know. I like, mean, so I'm, I'm even going back twenty three years with Titanic. Yeah. Movies don't have to be this long to connect with an audience. They don't have to be. You have to be a no. better writer. If you're going to go beyond that two hour mark, you've got to have a really good reason, and it's got to be justified. And with this, it yeah. just feels like a lot of it's been padded out. Where the whole thing feels a bit overcooked, really, in terms of like there is a good movie in here. There is. There oh, there is. really is. Yeah. Everything that was in the first draft of this script has gone in to the film instead of people going right this is a great first draft to start with right now let's pare it down to get it closer to two hours you're right man. I, I think as well like it does just because you can buy it doesn't mean you should do it no yeah. exactly you yeah. know like with all the effects etc you know like yeah yeah there's a lot going in on this film so absolutely as an origin story goes i think this is really up there on how he is this sort of lone ranger guy's created because he's yeah. just sort of yeah born out of this nerdy man of the law isn't he coming into town oh, yeah. yeah yeah his arc is the best in the whole movie and quite rightly it's like make that the focus and then 
build from that because that's clearly yeah. the best bit about the film i think is how this guy came to be especially from someone yeah. like me who i had no i have no idea i don't know i, I have no knowledge books i didn't watch the tv program yeah. i know the song and who he is and hi ho silver yeah. away <laughs> everyone knows that Gorgeous voice again, so How did you not get this role? <laughs> Between you and Army Hammer, wasn't it? <laughs> so gorgeous. <laughs> Down to the last two. He, yeah. he was too tall. He beat me. <laughs> did you not beat him off, John? He had... <laughs> <laughs> You needed to go Sorry. to the Dan Stevens uh, school of the, casting. Uh, the rudest thing I've ever said on this podcast. <laughs> what a disgrace. <laughs> I think there's so much this film has got going for it. I, yeah. I, I think the look of it's spectacular. Production design, I have no quibble with no, at all. I mean, it looks great. It, it looks is really, amazing. really good. They tried to bring that aesthetic of the black and white serials into the real world. So I think that's why it was totally desaturated. Just yeah. to try and bring that, like bridge it between this and the modern world. Mm. But... Um, no, it just it falls on story. That's literally story and runtime. That's that's the only ways this falls. Yeah, I think so because I think like if you're looking at the way this world's built, Verbinski's obviously going in with a Western head. Yeah, you know, like a fistful of dollars and good, the bad, mm. the ugly, and and all that sort of stuff. Um, because like the the bad guys, the you know the the ragtag group of outlaws are they're horrible. Guys, yeah, yeah. really yeah. horrible. Like, but like pirates, oh, the Caribbean was, I guess they they were ho- equally horrible as well. Um, yeah, Jeffrey Rush's level group horrible. were like, yeah, you know, they have clearly looked at that film and how massive and the successful model, yeah, it was. Yeah. So it's like, right, how can we just take that from the world of pirates and put it in the world of a western? Mm. There are a yeah. lot of parallels with what's going on in this film to the pirates film. You know, Johnny Depp's obviously the obvious one. The one thing what I would say is, is great about it is that level of detail they've gone in the same way they did in the pirates films, and every mm. like the like I said before, like all the cowboys are just dead sweaty and stubbly and yeah, yeah, yeah. Not whether that's suit, I'm not sure whether that's suitable for this sort of film, but it is. It does look pretty good, and the sequence in particular where all the Texas Rangers are going out. I don't think the film's too big to talk about it in detail, so we'll just sort yeah, of exactly. gloss over everything. Just... The the scene where all the Texas Rangers, including um, John, who is, is, is the DA who's come into town, and his brother is the sort of... He's a Texas Ranger, isn't he? Yeah, he's um, like... Brother he is, Dan. Yeah. So they all... He deputises him. Yeah, so so they all go out to, to get this group of bad guys headed up by Butch Cavendish, who's played by Bill Fitchner. Yeah. He looks disgusting, isn't he? He does, Can yeah. We, I, honestly, I, I, he's one of the the most underrated actors. Oh, he's great. So he's like a proto Cage, isn't he? He's like he's he's as mad as Cage, isn't he? I just adore this man so much because he yeah. chucks himself into everything. His manner of delivery is so good. Yeah. I have not seen him fluff a role yet, and I never will. No. I'm that confident, this guy. Have you seen Drive Angry? Yes. And how he's out caging Cage in yes, Drive yes, Angry. Yeah. Oh yes. God, he's yeah. That that's when I realised how good Bill Fitchner was was from watching Drive. Oh, he's so good. I love how we call him Bill, like he. Like yeah, yeah. Like we're yeah. I tell you when I when I got on the Bill train though is uh, when I was sit- when I saw Armageddon. He asked to deliver one of the most difficult lines oh, I've ever yeah, heard in my life, where he goes, "I just wanted to shake the hand of the daughter 
of the bravest man I've ever met. It's like it's the worst <laughs> line in the world. Bill, I'm with you, my yeah. boy. He had a and, gun in space. Also, yeah. <laughs> Marvellous. He was he was outstanding in that Ninja Turtle movie as well. Yeah. Astonishing. He who is he in the Ninja Turtles film? He's like Shredder's mate or something, or is he Shredder? Yeah, he's the Weasley guy who creates Shredder. Um, uh, um, but you know, he's not that Weasley. He's acting everyone off the planet. He's so good. <laughs> uh, um, he was wasn't he in Heat as well? He was. Yes, in Heat. he is. Yeah, and yeah. What's an absolute legend? He's the Wall Street type greaseball who, um, yeah, who Bob yes. De Niro goes <laughs> plugs in the head to, towards Honestly, the end. Spoilers just, for Heat. If, <laughs> <laughs> if there's anyone I want to work with in my whole life, it's Bill Fichtner. Yeah, that is, that is I want that because you know he'll he'll come. And obviously the bank vault scene at the start of the of Dark course, Knight as yeah. well. He's in that. Yeah. Uh, it, can he be? Can he have a role in our fantasy world? Oh, absolutely. You know, like oh, he's definitely yeah. going to be in the. the Sounds like he already has a role in your fantasy world, Rob. He <laughs> <laughs> definitely <laughs> does. <laughs> he definitely does. Um. Shirtless. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, not Dan Stevens. So, Bill Fickner, good. Thumbs up. Moving on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, so, he, so the Rangers, um, they set off in pursuit of Butch and his cronies after they uh, bust him out of a train heading into town. The same train that John's on, yeah. Um, Army Hammer and Tonto, who's chained up in the back of a carriage uh, with Butch, and that's how they all sort of get into the story, isn't it? Yeah. And that's an incredible set piece that should really open the movie. It should, to be honest. If we yeah. yes. totally. Yes. This Absolutely. scene starts thirty minutes in, and it's like just kick it off yes. here, and and we're and we're in because this is the the crux of the movie, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah. We've got the bad guys. Settle the bad guys. We settle the good guys. Yeah. And then them going off to get it. And this sequence, is, this is where the film, I'm like, right, we're, get, we're off now. We're, we're, we're off to the races. Yes, because yes. Yeah. But it's taken half hour to get there, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah. The, it, the it, photography, yeah. especially during this bit, is amazing. So they're in just yeah. the mad Texas desert or wherever they shot it. Yeah. And these, um, these superb, like, wide shots of big sweeping vistas of That's all you need several guys Western. on horseback yeah. and just do it and and the yeah. dust clouds from the sand yeah. go and you're like oh this is what you should have started with why you've spent fucking yeah. ages to get to this <laughs> do you know why hollywood used to make loads and loads of westerns because they were really fucking cheap to do because all you needed was the landscape and a, mm. and a wide lens yeah, on the camera yeah. right so yeah, how this thing has cost 250 million dollars is, yeah. is beyond me. Well, but by the end, I mean, like when you get to sort of those that last end, I mean, we could say it, but I have actually got a timer. I had a timer on when when the end was happening and it was still 47 minutes from the yeah, end. Yeah, I mean, the action set <laughs> pieces. But like at that point, like you could have done this for 40 million quid. Yeah. By that point, you could have done <laughs> yeah. it. Well, that's just going to cover Johnny Depp's wages. <laughs> well, yeah, but like, allegedly, so, Simon, allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> so, right, you know when um, uh, the Lone Ranger, well, sorry, the Rangers go into the desert and mm-hmm. they get double-crossed and they all get gunned down and yeah. Bill Fichtner's there being a bad boy. I'd said to my children at tea time, I've got to watch a, f- a film for tomorrow night's podcast recording. Would you like to come and watch it with me? Because it's on Disney Plus, therefore it must be okay. Um, and we we sat to watch it. Sylvia pulled up right tight to the screen so she could watch this. Sylvia's five, by the way, uh, for, for you know for listeners. Um, and I was with my nine year old as well. 
I was alarmed. Then my nine-year-old said, this is really horrible. Can we stop? And I said, don't worry. It's a family thing. It'll be family soon. It's Disney. And then <laughs> um, Fichtner pulled a knife and held it over a guy's chest yeah. and started to move downwards. And I, like, scrambled like a, no, no, <laughs> for the remote control and pressed pause and asked them to leave the room. And then Fichtner stabbed the guy, cut out his heart and ate it. Yeah. yeah. I'm so glad. That's the best parenting thing I've ever done in my whole life. But boy, did I get this wrong. I mean, my equivalent when I was that age would have been Temple Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, where he yeah, was yeah. Kalima, and, I, and I was just Kalima. Like, oh, I was like, it's too much. I can't. As a kid, I was like, nope, nope, don't like this bit. Well, as discussed last week, it was Ghostbusters two and Vigo in the painting for just, me. It was absolutely yes. terrifying. I'm having a bad time in the parenting stuff. <laughs> fair to admit. Um, for for what it's worth, Ava was delighted that we called it a night. Sylvia wanted to carry on. <laughs> Good Anna. What happens next? You know, yeah, legend. Um, yeah, uh, it's horrendous what happens. But Fichtner again is going for it yeah. big time. So, did, did you know that Fichtner was supposed to be a werewolf? What? Mm. I didn't know this. So this is how convoluted this was. Like we didn't even get the most convoluted version. So the plot was originally supposed to focus more on supernatural elements and Native American mysticism. It included werewolves, which explained the silver bullets. Because remember, there's a whole yeah. thing about silver bullets. Just left that in, even though it's not actually in the movie. Yeah, yeah, because there's a hint that there's some sort of immortality to yeah. Butch Cavendish because he's survived all this nonsense and he's got there and he eats people's hearts. That's why he ate yeah, this yeah. part. Yeah, because he's a dog. <laughs> All the the silver bullets, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't twig that. That's it's just a holdover from been. an old script that they never took out, basically. Wow. <laughs> yeah, which never saw the light of day. Um, when it was mentioned, um, I've read. I'm holding in my hand in podcast world. You won't see this, but I'm holding the book American Monsters, written by uh, Linda S. Godfrey, um, and it talks about the Wendigo in the context of well, it's it's weird because it's mainly from Australian mysticism. Right. But it was obviously transposed um and hijacked and butchered and you know yeah. how all myths are and get swapped around. So I was actually really interested when they mentioned the Wendigo in this movie. Mm. Um but then confused when it never came up again. Yeah. <laughs> well you you hear them say Wendigo a lot, but no one ever really explains what it is. No. And then it turns out that Tonto made it up because his brain's yeah. broken, basically. Yeah, you just think it's one of these things that Tonto has just said, you just like, oh I just go with it. Like um, yeah. what does he keep calling John? Uh Kimusabi. Yeah, Kimusabi and it was like the wrong brother because he wanted they were all dead, weren't they? All the rangers, and and he wanted. Oh, that was excellent. Um, yeah, he wanted his brother to be resurrected because he was a good. He's like a really good warrior. Mm. Yeah, but uh, Silver the horse came. He was like a, a spirit animal, and and just kept going to John. And he was like, "Oh, for God's sake, got to get the yeah. rubbish brother." And, and <laughs> Depp's physical comedy is excellent. You know, like the appeal to the heavens. Like. He's really good in this movie. Yeah, it's really good because it's a different role for him. You know, and it, yeah. he he, can, he he smokes it really. I mean, he smashes he this role. Good. To pieces. There was a lot of stick that he got cast in the role in the first place. He claims to have Native American ancestry, and and that's why he wanted to do the role. And do... all that, regardless that you know, it was a massive issue that he got cast because essentially you, you you've got a white man in a Native American role. Yeah, but he 
he's great in it. He's really good yeah. in it. And he's very funny. He has all the best lines. His deadpan delivery is great. Yeah. yeah, a lot of the criticisms were saying, you know, he's just he's just Jack Sparrow, but I don't think he is. He I think isn't. it's, I think totally it's different. completely I different to Jack is, Sparrow. Yeah. He's not. What he's doing. That's really lazy. I think actually, yeah. the only uh, similarity between the two is he's got headgear. Yeah, that's absolutely. It. Yeah. And I think the what do you think of this? So this comes out ten years after the original Pirates film came out. And Johnny Depp has been essentially the biggest movie star in the world for that decade. Is it just a bit of fatigue on perhaps on, on, on audiences and critics and possibly yeah those those pirate sequels while massive at the box office weren't great, very well received and then they had Alice mm. in Wonderland again which was a huge hit but not critically well received yeah do you think people were just sort of gunning for him and then they saw this and the problems that they'd had during the production yeah, and the size of the budget. Possibly. And it's Brookheimer as well, who's no strangers to get kicking critically. And they just it just became a perfect storm to go after him and the movie. Possibly. I mean, I think certainly in this in this industry, like people get angry at money. I mean, yeah. you know, um, we, we <laughs> might have to go out, but we experienced this quite recently in our DMs, didn't we? Yeah, that people get angry when someone gets money in this industry, yeah, um, and want to know how or why it happened. And um, that wasn't us. We didn't get any money. We get fuck all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was not to do with us guys. That was from say how that didn't get into conspiracy corner. I don't know. Yeah. You know we finally had a conspiracy. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, when you get a movie that's got one of the most bankable stars in the world, and it gets. It's an infinite budget, really. When you think about movie making, it's just... It, 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 yeah, yeah. You can do whatever you want. And there's, I suppose there's a pressure to get it right, but there's also a pressure to appeal to absolutely everybody. Yeah. And you can never do that with a movie. You'll never do no. that, you know? Mm. My dad says Hot Fuzz is the worst film he's ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> he needs to watch it again, damn it. It's yeah. really good. Reconsider it, Andy. I, I know he has, you know... Uh... <laughs> He said, you know, like if any of your books get made, um, as long as they're better than Hot Fuzz, then so we'll be all right. That's funny. I just, I, just, I think it's one of those things. Like tonally, he just didn't know where it, yeah, yeah. where it lay on his, you know, barometer. Um, but right, so right, so Tonto resurrects Army Hammers, the Lone Ranger, having and... dragged his head through poo. Let's yeah, not that's great. That. We all love that. A bit of a poo gag for the kids. <laughs> that would have been my if my son was old enough to watch this movie, he would. Uh, he would enjoy that bit because he delights at the sight of horse poo whenever he sees it in the street. Horse poo is the... Uh, <laughs> so that would have been his favourite moment. He sounded a bit like William Wallace there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> takes it very seriously. Um, and then anyway, he's resurrected. He's up on some big platform on the top of a mountain. We don't know how he how got there. Did he get it? We don't yeah, care, but it's a lovely looking shot. And then, right, we're off. So the races essentially we have Tonto and the Lone Ranger and they're going to go and sort out whatever has been occurring here. We don't really know what's going on. They're going after they're going after Bill Fickner's character, um, and then other layers start to make themselves known as we uh, on their quest to capture him. Yeah, it's effectively like a clash of white Americans and Native Americans and yeah. how in the industrious nature of of white Americans, they're trying to build a railroad, aren't they? And they, they need to go over into mm. uh, the Comanches part of the, the, the country. And there's this treaty in place and th- there's all yeah. the like underhanded stuff going on, which includes Butch Cavendish's little clan and why the Rangers were killed and all that sort of stuff's going on. 
but that's effectively what it is boils down to. It's like greedy white Americans against yeah. Comanche Native Americans. They're on the cusp of war fighting over this land, basically, so they can because of this railroad, what needs to be built. You might have described the middle two hours of this film there. <laughs> <laughs> like, literally, that there's not much else to add there. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Because there's a lot of to-in and fro-in that goes on. Yeah, I mean, um, can we talk, let's talk about Army Hammer. As, yes, absolutely. As the main role here. I thought he was really likably useless, but I thought he bought... Um, a really good delivery and gravitas in the serious scenes. And I think he has our trademark Ernest Eyes. Oh, oh yeah. He's a, and he's teeth. A tremendous Ernest actor. teeth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a tremendous actor. I mean, at this point, this was going to be it. This was going to be his... If this had hit, this would have been his, like, star-making role. Yeah. He'd probably be Captain America or whatever, or in the, in the frame for that now. But... Um, yeah, so he'd done the social network where he played the Winklevoss twins. And yeah. then this was, that was in 2010. And then he'd, he'd cropped up in a few other things. And then this was his big, like, lead breakout as a huge box office Hollywood star. And obviously, we know how that went. And then from there, he's just done, like, really interesting work. Although he did The Man from Uncle, and that didn't quite pop either, as well. So he's not had the most look in terms of the roles propelling him into that real A-list. I mean, yeah. when you see him, you you know exactly who he is all the time. But the movies that he's making now are a lot smaller than what he would have been making had this been a huge box office success yeah. and, and spawned a franchise. Mm. So sad because he didn't do anything wrong here. No, it's got nothing to do with him. It's got nothing to do with any of the actors. All the performances are spot on, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love a useless hero like yeah. Jack Burton. and um... Absolutely. He's got... That's exactly what I thought about, Sai, yeah. Yeah, and it's like the Green Hornet as well. So I, I think the Green Hornet has some kind of connection to the Lone Ranger. I, th- I think the summit, but um, like Mask maybe the Mask like is in both, isn't it? I suppose. Yeah. No, I think it's like he's his great great grandson. Oh, or right. Like oh, an that. actual. There's, there's, that's there's good, definitely right. a link between the two. But anyway, um, yeah, and it's like that where the Green Hornet, you know, Cato is actually yeah. the hero. It's not the Green Hornet and. Tom, yeah. In this, Tonto is actually the hero. It's not really him. Yeah. And yeah, same with Jack Burton. Oh, it's not him. It's it's uh, Wang Chi. It's Wang Chi yeah, who yeah. just does all the damage. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I love that. I love that um, rubbish hero. But he gets better, doesn't he? He starts he does off as a bit of yeah, crap yeah. and he does get oh, better. Oh, no, he's really good. He's really good. And suddenly here we are. We, we have the Lone Ranger. We've got Tonto. And they're both off after, well, getting back uh, Ruth Wilson from... It's Tom Wilkinson, isn't it? It is Tom Wilkinson, yes. He's either a stripper or a baddie these days. There's no in-between with this guy. (laughs) (laughs) And it turns out he's not only running the railroad and um, creating conflict with the Comanches so that he can run his railroad through the Native American reservations. Uh, He's also uh, Bill Fickner's brother in this. Mm. Yes, yes. Bold. Yes, and they're in on it. They're in cahoots. They've been in cahoots the whole bloody time. He's not a nice man, Tom Wilkinson. But no, he's a real. Is he ever a nice man in any (laughs) any Hollywood? (laughs) (laughs) He's consistently good in everything he's in. Oh, he's great. That's what we got to give him. Um, As is also uh, Ruth Wilson. I think she's brilliant. Um, And I'm sad because this this I assume if Army Hammer was going to be the Sort of like a breakout star from this, she was going to be as well. Well, yeah, I mean, she's she's done good stuff on TV, hasn't she? She's in Luther and uh, she was in The Affair as well, although that 
ended acrimoniously for her. Did it? I didn't know. Controversially, yeah. Uh, we won't go oh. into that. <laughs> oh, I can we discuss deets oh, yeah. off air? Yeah, yeah. Wow. I'll have to look oh. them up again. But there was some. I'm so interested. Not from her. Not from anything that she'd oh, done. Right. They they did her dirty. Oh Jesus! But mm. she she is great in this. So she's the um, widow of John's brother Dan, isn't yeah. she? Mm. And yeah, Tonto and Lone Ranger now have to save her from all sorts of hijinks. Yes, mm. from Cole and. There's a lot going on, isn't there? <laughs> this last there, there really is. There really is. So much going there on. is, yeah, yeah. Basically, she's on a train. Tom Wilkinson is attempting a hostile takeover with some guys that we've never even fucking seen before, but suddenly are a big deal at the at this part of the movie. And then yeah. there's a big, huge set piece, which is absolutely spectacular and involves two trains and line switching and it's, it's very, very good, good, to be fair, this moment. It's really, really good. I've I've never seen a train sequence like it's incredible. This. And if you'd had an, an hour and ten minutes of all that other tomfoolery, yeah, and then this for half an hour, I would have left ecstatic. Absolutely, because this is an unbelievable sequence. Like it really I don't is. know how you even dream, dream <laughs> up the geography of it. It's incredible. I mean, never mind storyboarding. You need you need to plan. I mean, you had to start planning this when you were a tiny person. <laughs> uh, you know, like, as soon as you were born, you will have to yeah. be storyboarding. The choreography is so good, isn't it? It's like a dance. Everything is, has to yeah, be yeah. timed yeah. to perfection, and this is where the Lone Ranger theme tune comes. It in. is, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And to listen to that, it's quite a you know rhythmic song and you know bounces along. And they've obviously just made that scene to fit that tune. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everything's going from one one thing to the other. There's a lot of like really convenient things what happen in terms of people falling off trains and onto horses and walking off ladders onto another train. Yeah, it just yeah. it's it's like a little it's like a little it's like a ballet, isn't it? It's really good. Oh, it's, it's an incredible <laughs> sequence. It really is. There's there's something so pop culturally relevant and exciting to us all that when you hear a swirling score and you see that landscape and there's a mass man on horseback, you get goosebumps. And yeah. it just happens. It's a natural thing. We're all I think we're all massaged into this through all the pop culture influences that we've all had. And then you cannot deny the fun of this sequence. I mean, this is really, really fun. Oh, yeah. There's great. so much happening. And it's like kids, I mean, this is where the kids would really love it. None of this heart-eating business. Yeah. No, exactly. Forget that. This yeah, is yeah. where you get the family entertainment because your granddad will love this. Your two-year-old will love yeah. this. Everyone would love what's going on here. Absolutely. Yeah, my other half, I was watching this and she walked in and went, oh, oh what, what film is it this week? What, what are you watching? I was like, oh, The Lone Ranger. And she was like, oh, I've seen this. And then uh, she walked in during this scene and she went, her, her face lit up and she went, oh, this this is great, this bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, this is what that... Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously can't do 90 really minutes is. of this, but we needed more. So, like the opening train sequence is really good and then this just takes it up another level and we needed more of this when you've got the action and the comedy because it is an action comedy or it should be anyway mm. for the most part when you've got that when it hits that tone it really sings but um it's just these moments are just too few and far between in between all the convoluted plotting uh, yeah. totally agree man there was one other party i really wanted and that should have been involved in this sequence was the comanche yeah but they'd all been decimated yeah, in a horrifically violent scene. Yeah. In a genocide scene, like literally maybe 20 minutes prior to this, Absolutely. that didn't really have any place in any movie. Mm. You know, it's like it was really there just to show that the baddies were bad. 
Yeah. Like, we're going to wipe out these people now so you know we're baddies. And it was not needed. You know, if you want to make a make a movie about the genocide of Native Americans, it probably shouldn't be in your tentpole summer blockbuster. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm not laughing because yeah. uh, because but but like I I've put this like you know address these themes somewhere you know that's great and it's great that they're being addressed and certain stereotypes are being addressed but in a fun summer Disney that's movie supposed to be an action comedy for the whole family yeah yeah it's probably not the best place to have a genocide scene because it's not going to be as successful in that setting either and that's another thing that it falls flat because you're like I thought we were watching a Lone Ranger no and it it only makes your tone seem even more confused mm. yeah I, I totally agree with you but how how crisp is um, Barry Pepper as captain of the oh extremely oh, yeah, yeah. his devotion to the role here is absolutely outstanding playing another especially he was like fire <laughs> fire fire at will it's unbelievable he's, he's got like he's a proper, extremely he's good proper twirly twirled moustache in his like, yeah yeah goatee is very good <laughs> Very, yeah, extremely good. And, and no, but like, I mean, we've not at no point during our discussion here if we had a single quibble with the with the acting in this <laughs> no, film. It's good. No, the cast is great. Acting really or casting, good. it's all excellent. Everyone is absolutely smashing it. The kid dandy, yeah. he's smashing it too. Everyone's absolutely going for it. it. It still falls on story, this, and the delivery of this story. Yeah. But there's so much to enjoy, and you just do wish that they'd gone, well, if we rein this in and we rein that in and we tighten this up, yeah, yeah. you've got a really great movie here. Yeah, exactly. And then maybe, you know, they do Tonto's backstory and they do the origin of the Lone Ranger. There's so much going on in this that it feels like, right, well, if you did a sequel, what would you actually do with it? It feels like it tries to cram too much into this one movie. It does one yeah. and two in one, doesn't it? Like, yeah, it does, yeah, yeah. It does, yeah, definitely. In runtime as well as. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the train sequence at the end is brilliant. We've got to the end, and the baddies have all been unmasked and dispatched. Yeah. And I'm, I go like, oh, we must be near the end here. And I checked on the little, you know, the little thingy on the bottom. 16 minutes to go. <laughs> 10 minutes yeah. of that is credits, though. There's a lot of special effects in this movie. There is a lot of credits, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, that's true. It's actually. not a John Woo movie where the credits roll on a freeze frame when the bad guy dies. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> a high five. No. Uh, well, it ends, with, it ends with Tonto giving a kid a bullet. It does. Which is deeply oh, yeah. irresponsible banter. Yeah. Uh, and, but no, actually, it doesn't end there. It ends with a really good hi-ho silver gag, which I really yeah. liked. Don't ever do that again. Yeah, that was great. That's the tone of the movie. That's what the whole thing That's should it. be. That's it. Stick with that. Yeah, yeah. Stick with that. Yeah. Don't massacre people. Do that. It's like the <laughs> the, the, the motif throughout the whole film is that uh, Tonto tells him to wear this mask, which has been forged from the bullet holes, isn't it, of his, of his brother's Oh, yes. Vest. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's a good a good like image to have. And then every time he meets people, he's like, What's with the mask? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. All that stuff's ace. Brilliant. That stuff's really cool. Yeah, no trouble with any of that at all. And just before we start doing our roundup, the music's astonishing. Yeah. Yeah, it's Hans Zimmer. Oh, is it? Is it? Yeah. Is it all? Is it Hans? Yeah. I didn't know that. It's all Hans, isn't it? Yeah. He's an old hand at this sort of stuff. His Zims. Oh, well, no wonder my trousers were aflame right the way through it. But he, it was. I mean, it was brilliant. It hit all the right cues. Yeah. It was weighty where it needed to be. I don't think, obviously, like I mean, I can't imagine Hans Zimmer sitting there watching a cut of this film and conducting all the way through. No, no. <laughs> what the hell is happening now? Uh, what am I supposed to be doing now? But like, yeah, it, 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 but the, the key elements of the score are superb. Yeah. 
I think as well, like another good thing as well. Um, what? How old is this film? Seven years old. Yeah, seven years. Yeah, old? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and we're always usually quite critical when it comes to CGI, but I think the CGI is quite faultless in this film as well. No problem. With yeah, that. I think no it's problem. Really de- no problem. Man. You know, it's used for no problem landscapes and um, big sort of crumbling mountains and things like that and yeah well the yeah. big train sequence at the end the train, like there's obviously. a lot of green oh, screen of there isn't there which you simply can't do otherwise yeah all the stuff on the horse looks really good yeah yeah you know that's where disney shines on films like this and that's where the budget does yeah. go into good uses i think we've done the th- those big three disney flops yeah tron this and john carter the cgi and the visual effects in all three of the, these movies are brilliant and they really are have dated really well compared to the wider cinematic landscape where there's a lot of a lot of visual effects what what has dated here is great i think i think it's really yeah, good totally agree no complaint should we um, can i ask you guys for your best bits well my favorite bit i love me an old-timey gatling gun and one is suitably deployed right before the climatic train chase uh, for reasons that I can't mm. quite remember, but it looked cool. Uh, like everything else in this movie, absolutely glorious, particularly the slow-mo shot of the board of directors who we've only just met, diving <laughs> yeah. the cover as their room gets absolutely ripped asunder by old-timey Gatling <laughs> Great. One of the guys in there was the guy who was obsessed with staplers in Office Yeah, Press. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Stephen oh, Root. Yeah. Oh, really good part. That's it, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what about you, Si? Um... It was the reveal of Cole to be the bad guy, basically. Um, so there's the the scene where Tonto's origin story, and he saves two white men who you'd guess are brothers. Oh yes, and they uh, find that they're sitting on this mine of silver. So they and they slaughter Tonto's tribe. Mm. And there's a there's a shot in that where the the way the guy like reveals his his pocket watch, mm. and then later in the film we see Cole and he does the same move. And it's just one little moment where he unfills his little pocket watch and you're like, he's the guy from Tonto's backstory. <laughs> yeah. Shit. Yeah. That scene's ace. That that scene is so good as well. Yeah, that whole reveal of that Tom Wilkinson's character Cole is, is the bad guy and it's all done by that one moment, one little flip of a watch and you're like, oh, yeah, there he's the bad guy. Yeah. I love that bit. I thought it was great. I thought it was really good. Hammer's really good in that bit too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. What about you, Rob? What was gorgeous? Um, I like it when um the barn was burning down and Tonto looked up and saw Silver looking down a sort of like a skylight at him. (laughs) (laughs) The horse had got on the roof. Yeah, great. I just thought it was a really great moment, really great bit. Which if you stick to that tone, that's your movie. Yeah. Yeah. That's your movie. Don't mess with that. So much of the comedy comes from the horse. Absolutely, it really is. Yeah, very funny looking horse, and the way he like looks (laughs) looks at Johnny Depp. And there's a lot of comedy between the horse and Tonto, which is genuinely funny, like really funny. Yeah, well, there's another horse that dies, isn't it? You know that that's brilliant. That's really funny. Yeah, really good, really funny. (laughs) Not that we like horse death. No, but the way it's played is is very very. The way it's yeah, and and it's it's not a real horse either. Let's make that very (laughs) clear. Uh, uh, no, I, yeah, couldn't couldn't agree more, fellas. So, FYR for your reconsideration, Sai, you will go last. James, yes, for your reconsideration. So, the film is nowhere near the train wreck, pun intended, ah! that the critical reception would have you believe. 
the action sequences when they arrive are great. Depp and Army don't call me Arnie Hammer banter well. <laughs> and when the film operates as an odd couple action comedy, it really sings. It's frustrating that the impressive moments, of which there are many, are almost suffocated by convoluted plotting, tonal inconsistencies, and needlessly bloated runtime. The result is a great-looking but flawed piece of popcorn entertainment for me. It's a real curio, but I'd say it is worth a look if you have Disney+. Plus. I wouldn't say go out and buy it or, or pay for a rental, but if you have that subscription service, it's definitely worth taking a look at. Uh, but you will need a substantial chunk of time. And no children. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you want my... Uh, do you, um, uh, my missus watched this with me. Uh, my wife. Oh, cool. Uh, watched it with me. And uh, the phrase bored shitless came up a couple of times. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll, we'll, just park, we'll just park that. So good. <laughs> Straight through the heart. But she thought the action was very good. Awesome. That's positive, James. I, yeah. I, I'm going to take that as I positive. So, yeah. um, I, I too am going to be positive. I can't argue with any of the production design, the look and visual thespian execution of this film in any way. It's only on a storytelling plateau that does this fail. And also tonally. And that comes from story. That comes from what you do on the page as well. Yeah. So... When this is fun, it soars. It absolutely soars. The the sequences that we've talked about, they're just so much fun, and I would want to share them with every member of my family. What I don't want to share with them is a man getting his heart cut out and eaten um, in the name of a Disney picture. And it wasn't like the tonally, it was just all over the place. The runtime, yeah. I mean, you trim the fat on this film and you can make this one hour 50 comfortably. And I promise anyone watching, it will be a better film for it. You would Definitely. Totally. But there were times during it, I, uh, is this Bone Tomahawk <laughs> or a Disney film? I've got no idea. I have no idea. Oh my no God, idea. So accurate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, that said, um, I like James, definitely check it out. Come on. This is a, this 250, 200, how many million dollars on this? It's definitely worth a bit of your time. Perhaps not the two hours 40 that Gore Verbinski suggests. Spread it over a week. <laughs> yeah. I mean, four separate viewing sessions for me. Like, Got there yeah. in the end. Wait, wait for, I don't know, Easter Sunday. That's when all the films are on, what, like four well, hours I'm... long. So wait for <laughs> yeah. Easter Sunday and watch it there well, with you, eating your chocolate. You could eggs. view it as a mini series. <laughs> just view it as a mini series. You know, just watch it in 40 minute chunks. Yeah. yeah. It'd be grand. Interesting. I no, I I agree with you both actually. I was um I don't think I enjoyed it as much second time round as I did first time round. I think mainly just because that element of surprise had gone from it. Because I was expecting a total shit show when I first watched it. And I, it's yeah. not that at all. It's really not. <laughs> no, no way. It's on a level with John Carter for me in that respect, as I I genuinely believe it's misunderstood and harshly treated by the vast majority of people. Many took umbrage with the humongous budget and the casting of Johnny Depp, which, you know, there is an argument to that, fair enough. Um, but I don't think those things make this film a complete misfire. The story is admittedly bloated, as we've discussed quite a bit, making up for a frankly ridiculous two-hour, 40-minute runtime or whatever it is. It's just absurd. It's absolutely absurd. But I do think... Ultimately, The Lone Ranger is a fun and crisply produced origin story um, that would be for all the family, 
providing your children aren't easily scared and have a strong stomach because it's grim as fuck. (laughs) 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 So deeply accurate. Um, I'll get Sylvia's take for next week because I know she wants to finish it. So I'll try and find out what she thinks. Fabulous for us. I mean, actually, that that is, you know, despite... Because when a film like this comes out and you know it's got history surrounding it yeah. and you know it's got big question marks surrounding it, we have to discuss those things. Absolutely. We wouldn't yeah, be doing yeah. our self-appointed jobs I know, if yeah. we weren't to do that. So um, I think we gave that a really fair whack, actually. I do. I think so. There's some good stuff in there. there Had really you seen is. it before, Rob? Never. Never. No, we usually never, talk about never. our relationship with the movie. I'm sorry, James. I, I totally missed that yeah, tonight. Yeah. I, I'd never seen it. Had you seen it? I had seen it. It was on the old love film. And again, like Simon, I didn't enjoy it this much the second time around. But the first time, I really got a kick out of it because it had been absolutely lambasted when it mm. first came out. And yeah. I think maybe going in with those low expectations do help the film to a certain degree. They yeah, do. Yeah, probably. They do. I think so. I think yeah. So. I think there's loads to really like about it. It's oh, the, the two train sequences alone are, are worth watching. They're yeah, incredible. yeah, of course there is. I think you said yeah. it before, James. There's a there is a really good film in there, and it's just a shame they didn't have a couple more passes at that script just to trim it down a bit and just yeah. make it. Yeah, you know, we've got a really good origin we'll just story. Find it. We've got yeah really good set pieces. Let's just trim out the fat because there's a yeah. there's a lot on there. There is a lot on there. Yeah. But um, no, nevertheless, that's three reconsiderate yeah, from yeah, us. Yeah, absolutely. So definitely, go ahead. Just you know, give them naysayers. Uh, what do they say? I turn my thumb at you. I show my thumb to you. What was the expression? Can't remember what it was. Bite my thumb. <laughs> do you bite my? Do you, do you bite my thumb at you? I bite. Oh, do you bite my thumb? Yeah, yes. Yeah. I you, bite my thumb at bite those your, critics. Bite exactly. Your thumb at me, sir? Rob played Romeo in a in a adaptation of <laughs> William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. It's good to see how well he knows. My the hair point. is not. My hair is not dissimilar at the moment. Actually. <laughs> Did anyone film it, Rob? Nope. 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 There's no evidence it ever happened, <laughs> so don't don't dig anywhere. Uh, I remember the poster quite vividly of of you uh, looking into the mid distance <laughs> whilst holding Juliet close to your bosom, <laughs> uh, and my hair. You know, lads. You know, we're supposed to be mates. Why did no one have a word with me? <laughs> Honestly, it was for the role. Come on, you were like no, a pound was, shot. On, no, it wasn't. No. <laughs> this was looking like the. Worst Beetle brother is not for the role. <laughs> hey, this was this was a solid point in the noughties where that was the fashion. I had a mullet which I straightened with with yeah. hair straighteners. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but y- your moulet was still streets ahead of this <laughs> abomination I was rocking for Romeo and Juliet. Are we still recording? Uh, this? Thank you. <laughs> yes, we are. Oh, yeah. Thank you for listening, everyone. Uh, please tune in next time. Next time, well, we're having a week off, but I know after that it is me again isn't it it is yeah and i'm going full six degrees of bacon separation for death sentence directed by james wan wow um i absolutely love this film can't wait to talk about it with well there's everybody. no point in listening to the episode now is there rob you just give me <laughs> well no obviously i'm gonna love oh, yeah, it go. cut that yeah. out cut that out i'm talking rubbish <laughs> <laughs> no keep it in it's usually me saying keep it out <laughs> keep it in and um yeah Please tune in. Uh, Thanks, fellas. That was absolutely lovely tonight. Please tune in next time. 
get in touch with us on Twitter at FYR Film Pod. Send us emails at reconsiderpod at gmail.com and send us those lovely, shiny five, five-pointed stars on your uh, subscription service of choice. Uh, say goodbye, boys. Bye-bye. Bye. Goodbye. How good is that horse, though? <laughs> Astonishing horse. Best horse ever on the podcast. Yes. I, would, I think so. Yeah, the award for equine Oscar goes to, well, whatever it is. Silver horse. Sorry, Rob, what are you going to say? Oh, I've suddenly got loads of free time now that I don't have to watch Lone <laughs> Ranger. <laughs>